0: We're going to look at Matthew chapter 1 beginning in verse 18, and I'm just going to read down to uh, the last part of verse, uh, see, verse 23 is my text. So I'm just going to take a minute to read the text, and then we'll just talk about it. Is that okay with y'all? Let's just do that. All right, let's do that. If you're able to stand, no worries if you're not able to, but if you're able to, I'd like to do that, have you do that out of honor for the reading of the Lord's words. Here's what the scripture says beginning in Matthew chapter 1 in verse 18. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I want to help these people to hear what I think they already know, and that's Jesus was born, that he came to die for us, and he loved us. But help them to take to heart those three little words, Lord. You know, that's what I want to preach, and that's that you, God, are with us. Please help them to hear that. Help me to explain it appropriately, and most important to any of all this, Lord, help us to take it to heart and do something about it. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you seat, be seated, please? I, I don't really know what you're supposed to do at 4 o'clock in the morning. Now, I know if you, are, um, if you got a job that makes you go in, got to be there early, maybe getting up at 4 o'clock is what you got to do to get ready to get to work. But my job's never really required that of me, for better or for worse. And uh, normally I sleep like a rock. I go to sleep and I'm unconscious until the next morning, until my alarm goes off about 6.30 or so. I'm good, I am just out. But there was a time a few years ago when four o'clock would come and I would just be wide awake. My mind was racing, I couldn't get a hold of my thoughts, I couldn't get a hold of it, and what started as just some th- things that were on my mind, things I was worried about that were just thoughts run amok. You ever had that happen or just mind just keeps going? It really descended into full on panic, full on worry, where I, again, I couldn't sleep. I could go to bed, lay down, go to sleep, and then I'd be wide awake two, three, four o'clock in the morning, couldn't go back to sleep. There, I, I, I was in a point where I was a, an emotional wreck. I don't know if y'all ever had this happen, maybe maybe I'm a few, one of the few, but for no apparent reason, I would be seated somewhere about to do something, just just going about the daily business and just start crying, just breaking down, and I couldn't even explain why. And I'll just go ahead and admit to y'all, I felt silly, I felt stupid, I said, what is wrong with you, man? You're not supposed to do this sort of thing. But fortunately, I had something that uh, some people don't have, so I don't, wanna, I don't want to take it for granted. But I had something that was a powerful tool in that moment. I had some people that cared about me. I had some people that loved me. I had some people that made me feel like I was somebody. Y'all ever, y'all ever feel that way? Y'all know what I'm talking about? You ever feel that? Where sometimes you're at the, the, life is at its darkest moment and, and you just need to know that somebody cares, that you're not as alone as you feel. I mean, Amen. somebody can witness to me. maybe I' just tell, maybe I'm by myself, but I'll just tell you that's sometimes you get to that place where you just need to know that you have a friend. Amen. And I had some people that understood where I was. Each one of them offered in their own way encouragement, support, love and concern and care for me. And it helped me. I, I got through that moment in time, that period in time, and I'll be forever grateful for those people. And sometimes that feeling of needing somebody to be with you, somebody that's on your side, for some of you, I, I don't know each of your circumstances, but I can tell you that sometimes Christmas season can make that time a little stronger than maybe other times of the, the year. Because there's sometimes you've got loved ones, people that, you, that were dear to you that They're not here anymore. Maybe they've passed on or maybe there's been estranged relationships. You can't talk to them anymore. There could be any number of reasons. Uh, Maybe it's broken homes, which I've seen too many times where families are splintered apart and, and Christmas literally is, you're going here for Christmas and I'll see you in another week when we get to go back together again. And it's unfortunately too often and too common. It could be that this time of year, a lot of times companies, for one reason or another, I don't know why it is, but this time of year is when they decide, you know what, let's go ahead and cut some people's jobs about now. And that might be something that affects some people. And they start thinking, oh, my God, how am I going to pay the bills, not to mention pay for Christmas? So all that's to simply say we get into that point where it's just, it seems like Christmas is that downtime, that time that it's, it's almost worse sometimes. But here's what I want you to understand is here in the middle of the darkest moment for some people and in the darkest moment of human history, in fact, There's good news. And that good news is that Christmas is not a fairy tale just that we tell the little youngins. It's not a fairy tale. It's not just this little little story that we tell. It's at the heart of Christmas, the Christmas story, if I can use that term, at the heart of it is there was somebody who came to be a friend to you who will never, ever, 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 ever leave you. That's what he has come, that's what the story is all about, is that Jesus has come to, to, to come at your darkest moment and to be what you need most. And that's exactly why the, the writer here, the, the Matthew, has given us in these few verses, this, this story, but not only not only just giving it to us, but actually recounting a specific prophecy. I do want to fa- pay, have you pay attention in verse 22. He says that all of this was done which that, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. He's referring to a prophecy that goes all the way back to Isaiah chapter seven. And in the in the course of my speaking to you this morning, I'm going to reference that. So if you did want to flip over there, I'm not going to read a lot of it. But if you want to check my math on that, you can go look at it with me in, in, in Isaiah chapter seven. But but what what he's recounting here is in a, in these very dark times He's talking to a man named Joseph. Did you, you pay attention to that in the, in the text? He's talking to Joseph. Now, Joseph, he's about to marry this girl named Mary. And I don't know if y'all know about the Christmas story or not, but before they get married, she's about to have a baby. And not to be too specific here, but let's just say what the Bible says he hadn't been with her before. You understand? So he knows that one baby wasn't his. And. He's not sure what to do. What's the right thing to do? That's what the text is. I mean, that's ultimately what this is about is a man who says, I don't know what to do, but I want to do the right thing. What do I need to do here? But in the broader context, he's talking to Israel, the the nation of Israel who is occupied by Rome. I mean, a foreign invader. And they had, do understand this. This is Matthew, just a page back. You got the book of Malachi, one page back. Which is nothing to me. It takes me two seconds to do what I just did. But that represents 400 years of silence from God. So they're sitting there and they're sitting saying, what do we do? Where is God when we need him? We've got these foreign invaders. But that's what the angel says. Not to worry. Don't worry. Look at what he says in verse 23, the last part. Emmanuel is here. God is with you don't worry there's a baby coming his name is going to be Emmanuel God is with you and I just want to take a few minutes and talk about those three words God with us God with us the first word in that interpretation of the word or the name Emmanuel is God and that word God indicates the power that your circumstance needs, the power that you need. This baby, as it has been said here, uh, is uh, in verse. I'm going back here in verse 22. He says this is fulfilling a prophecy. This baby was fulfilling a prophecy, a promise that God was going to intervene in the per- these people's circumstances. There were, there are, and there continue to be trillions and trillions throughout history, trillions of babies born into this world, but there was only one baby born who was God himself, the only one baby who would actually fulfill this prophecy. He talks about there in verse 23 that the prophecy was a virgin that would be with child. Well, that was an important component of this because this virgin birth was necessary because we needed a sinless person, who was, had divine power. You needed both of those things at the same time to redeem humanity. So therefore, he wanted this person to be born. God planned for this person to be born. He was going to be human, but he needed them to be divine. So therefore, he's going to make sure that that comes through not a man and a woman coming together in the natural way, but he says, I'm going to provide this through a virgin's birth. This was a unique thing that was going on so that he could then propitiate, he could cover, he could atone for, he could save the people from their sins as is promised there in verse 21. He says, this is why, this is what I'm going I'm to provide this, but I'm going to do something that is so phenomenal because your situation is so bad. I'm going to do something so phenomenal. I'm God going to enter into your circumstances. That's what you need. That's what I'm going to provide. Now, I want to make sure that we get the, get the full, full weight of this because in Isaiah chapter 7, that, this remember he says there's a prophet that said this. So this is not out of nowhere. He's not just pulling things out of the air. He's referencing that prophecy from Isaiah 7 on purpose. So let me, can, can, I, can I take a little aside here? Can y'all, can y'all follow with me? back through the pages of history just for a second, and let's talk about that situation in Isaiah 7, okay? That's what we're about to do. All right. So, there's a king in Isaiah 7, and his name is Ahaz. Now, I don't know anybody naming their boys Ahaz these days, but that's what they called him back then. His name was Ahaz. And if you think his name was funny, there's a couple other fellows in this story that are kind of interesting as well. There's a fellow named Rezin. He was of the country called Syria. There was a fellow named Pekah with a country called Israel, or Ephraim, sometimes it's referred to. At that time, Israel, the nation, was split into two parts. You know this, the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was called Israel, the southern kingdom called Judah. Are y'all tracking with me so far? So Israel was governed, or king, the king of that of Israel at that time was a man named Pekah. The southern kingdom, Judah, was governed by this king um, Ahaz. So that's who the kings are. We got that? All right, there's another fellow named Reza. I mentioned him. He's from Syria, another country. And Israel and Syria decide, listen, let's put our forces together because there's this other country called Assyria, and they're even bigger and stronger. we got to make sure we're protecting against them. So let's put our forces together, and let's go talk to Ahaz and see if he'll join us in the fight. Ahaz said, no way, no how. I got this. Y'all leave me alone. I'm not going to be participant in it. So you know what they do? If you're in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 1, they attack Judah. Say, we're going to get on your case. We're going to attack you. If you don't join us in this fight, you're going down, buddy. That's what's happening. So in verse 2 of chapter 7, there's a lot of fear in the house of David, as it's called. That's the the king, the the monarchy, the line of the kings that, that, that Ahaz Hall's in. There's a lot of fear in the house. They're worried. They're worried that they're they're going to go in defeat. They're worried that the the monarchy would come to an end. They were worried about all sorts of things. But God tells the prophet Isaiah, I've got a message for Ahaz. In verse 7, he says to Ahaz, what they're trying to do, it's not going to happen. Don't worry about it. It's not going to come to pass. And in verse 11, he tells Ahaz, listen, trust me, I got this. You know what Ahaz does? He says, no, Lord, I got this. I'm going to protect is- or Judah. I'm going to protect Judah. And what he ends up doing, if you were to go to 1 Kings chapter 16, you'd find this. What he ends up doing is he goes and he makes a deal with Assyria. He goes straight to Assyria and says, hey, you can have all the treasures of the temple. They're yours. Are you hearing what Ahaz is doing? God himself says, I'm there with you, and Ahaz says, nah, I got this. I'm going to take all this stuff that you, God, hold dear and you said is important, and I'm just going to give it away so that I can get what I want. Okay? That's what he's doing. Now, in the Matthew context, going back to Matthew, so we're going to come back to the text here. In this context, we've got a man who's facing a problem. Remember Joseph? He's got a a woman that he apparently loves. He wants to marry, but she's with child and he knows it's not his child. It says, it says there in, um, in verse 19 that he was a just man. So we know he's by all all intents and purposes from a human perspective. He's a good man. He's going to do the right thing. He's, he's, he's not a jerk. He's not trying to cause problems. He's a good man and he says he's not willing to make her a public per, excuse me make her a public example so he's not trying to hurt mary he he does love her i think he's got some feelings for her but he says i can't just let this go i got to do something here my honor's at stake my family's honor's at stake so he's got to do something so he's not sure how to act he knows he's got to act so he is not sure what to do And here's what God says in verses 20 to 23 in so many words. Joseph, you just go along with this because this is my plan. In so many words, Joseph, I've got this. You you just trust me. You just listen to me. And God is saying the the same thing to the whole nation of Israel. Through Joseph, he is saying to them, listen, I know it looks dark right now, but I've got a plan. I've got some light that I'm going to shed into this darkness. I've got a plan here. All of that is to get this point across to you. Can I, can I try to bring it home to y'all? It says that God is with us. Will you trust God? He's with you. He is with you. See, we trust all sorts of things. We trust the government. We trust doctors. We trust our own efforts. We trust our finances. We trust our jobs. We trust the preacher. We trust our bank accounts. We trust all kinds of people, all kinds of things. And I want to go on record right now. And no matter what it is you're trusting, except for God himself, everything... Everything, the best people, the best amount, the biggest amounts of money, the best, most solid things in this universe, they will let you down every time, every time. Amen. I've pastored a few churches and I've told those churches every time I've been in the pulpit, I'm going to let you down sometime. You're going, you're going to get mad at me. You're going to hurt me. I mean, rather, I'm going to hurt you. Excuse me. They're going to hurt you too. But I was trying to tell them I'm going to hurt them. They're going to get mad at me. They're going to get upset with me. And sometimes they're going to be right. You know why? Because I'm a human being and I fail people. But you know, there's one person that will never fail you. There's only one you can only always trust. And his name is Jesus. He is God. And he is your only hope. Will you trust him? So that first word is God. You got to trust his power. It's God's divine power that we need in this situation. But to pay attention to the second word in that definition it's God with us. God with us. That really indicates not just the power that is needed, but the proximity, the the closeness to the situation that we have. Now, you see, this baby that was being born, and that's who we're talking about here, and that's, it's a little unusual to talk about a baby in these, in these terms, but this is true. This baby was going to be powerful. He was going to save the people from their sins. This baby was going to be something else. This baby is God himself, but this baby was also going to be near and present to the distress at hand. What I want you to understand here is that when God is acting, he's acting out of love and care and compassion. That's actually what prompted the original prophecy. Again, can, can, I, can I take y'all, y'all don't get seasick on me here. Let's go all the way back to Isaiah chapter 7. Can y'all do that with me? All right, remember Ahaz and that whole situation he had there? Here's Ahaz is in trouble and God is using the prophet to send a comforting message to Ahaz. I want you to understand this about Ahaz. I know you don't know Ahaz. Y'all, y'all ain't friends or anything like that, so you don't know Ahaz. But l- let me tell you this about Ahaz. This alo- I mean, the Bible tells him, and if you know much about the kings of Israel and kings of Judah, I mean, it talks about, and he's a bad king, and he's a bad king, and he's a bad king, and he's a bad king. Ahaz, he's at the top of the, and he's a bad king list. He's a bad guy. He's one of the fellas, and it's. it, it is... Absolutely the case that he took one of his children, one of his sons, and provided him as a burnt off, literal burnt offering to Molech, one of the false gods who would literally stand there with hands stretched out for them to put little infants on to burn them. This is what he would do. This is how he would operate. That's what was more important to him. It's disturbing to think about, is it not? It is to me. But this is the man that God knew was in trouble and still would send him a comforting message. God knew the whole house was upset, chapter 7, verse 2 of Isaiah. He even said, Ahaz, listen, just ask me for a sign. Verse 11, chapter 7, verse 11. Ask me for a sign, and I'll give it to you. Whatever you need, I'm there for you. I know you don't deserve it. I know you're not worth it. I know you have shown me time and time again that you deserve nothing but condemnation, but I'm offering this to you, Ahaz. Will you take this from me? And Ahaz says, nah, I got this. Nah, I got this. But in spite of that, now please hear this. This is the important part. In spite of Ahaz saying, no, I reject your offer of help and hope. God says, okay, fine, you won't take it, Ahaz, I'm going to promise a Messiah to the whole world. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, an almost word-for-word rendering of Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. He says, I'm promising this to the whole world, an eternal fountain of God's presence, so that I will never leave and never forsake my people. I will always be there, and he's offering that. And that love and that care and compassion motivated not only the prophecy, but also the sharing of that prophecy here with Joseph. This is clearly a worry in Matthew chapter 1. If you go back to, um, uh, excuse me, in verse uh, 20, he says, he thought, talking about Joseph, he thought on these things. This was clearly something that was rolling over in his mind. What do I do? What do I do? How do I deal with this? Y'all ever had stuff like that? You just don't know what to do, so you just keep thinking about it like it's going to fix it. You're going to keep thinking about it, keep rolling it over. That's what he's doing. But God sends a messenger in verses 20 to 23 to say, listen, I'm just going to explain this to you. I want you to know what's going on here. I, I, I think the text tells us that Joseph was a good man. I think that we understand that. But please understand that God does not, requi- God does not need, does not require to give anybody any explanation. As they say, God is God all by himself. He doesn't need me, doesn't need you, but he loved Joseph. He was caring about Joseph enough to give him an explanation. All that is to simply say that it is God with us, that the Christmas story is the God-man entering into our time, into our space. He loved us so much. The Bible tells me in John chapter 3 and verse 16, That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That that he loved us that much. Despite the fact that we deserve nothing. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 tells me that we were sinners. We were against God. We had nothing to do with God. Left to our own devices, we would say, nah, God, I got this. Just like Ahaz. But God, in Romans chapter 5 verse 8, says that God, even though we were sinners... He loved us enough to give us his son. That's what he did. And that means that he is meeting us where we are, meeting our most important needs. The writer of Hebrews says that he was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows how you feel. He literally understands that. First John chapter 2 says that he was the propitiation, the sacrifice, the atonement, the, the, the payment. For our sins. He knew that was the most important need that we had. And now, if you believe in Jesus, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says that treasure of Jesus himself is actually in you, an earthen vessel. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus, one of his last words on this earth. He says, lo, I am with you always. He never leaves. See, God's with you. My question is, are you going to appreciate his presence? Are you going to say, no, nah, I got this, leave me alone? I don't know if anybody's here that's listening to what I'm saying. If you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ as your hope of salvation, I want you to know that he's offering salvation to you so that at the end of your life, it is no longer a dead and de- death and then damnation, instead, he's offering you life, and eternal life life worth living. He's offering that to you. Will you accept that from him? Christian, you say, well, I've already believed in Jesus. Well, thank you. That's, that's awesome. Aren't you glad? Well, do what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22, let us draw near. Let us enjoy his presence. He's with you. He is with you. But I'm afraid there's too many Christians that believe in Jesus and he is your savior and you've got heaven to look forward to. But right now we're the most miserable people because we don't enjoy the fact that there's a savior that loves us and is with us and we don't lean on him. Instead, we, yes, Lord, we need you to take us to heaven, but that little problem I'm dealing with, I got this. Will you appreciate his presence? He is with us and he is our friend. I need to move on for the sake of time, but let me get this last word in for you. God with us. That indicates the personal focus of the situation. This salvation, this Messiah, it's a universal promise. You understand that? Like, it's it's for the world. The thing that strikes me is all of human history is actually shaped by Jesus' coming. You know, you do know we mark time literally by when he came. I know they're trying to change the definitions and all that and say, you know, before the common era, you know, that, you know, that's what they try to say. That's not what it is before Christ and Anno Domino, the year of our Lord. The the point of this is that there's a moment in history in which we literally change the calendar around. Why did we do that? Because Jesus came, and this is, a, this is a universal thing. Everybody is affected. I, I know it's commercialized till it's to the point where it's almost pointless anymore with this idea of what we do celebrating Christmas. I get all that, but don't miss this. Don't miss this, that as much as they have tried to dilute it and to turn it into something else, they're still celebrating Christmas. I mean, there are even people who don't believe in Christianity who celebrate Christmas. The point is that it's affecting everything. But I tell you all of that to say that Emmanuel, that God is with us, has personal significance. It's not just for everybody else. It's for you. Yes. That promise that condemns, or rather that comforts one man, condemns another. Amen. It condemned Ahaz. Why? Because he rejected it. God's offering it. And it condemned him and his house. He's got a whole judgment that's against him. Joseph, on the other hand, he accepts that. And he's blessed. We're still talking about Joseph in a positive light even today, thousands of years later. The question is, what are you going to do with this Messiah? What, how will you personally respond? Will you accept and enjoy him or will you reject and suffer because of that? See, the first time he came, he came as a baby. He came to seek and to save the lost. The second time he's coming, Don't know when that will be. It will be at some point in the future. He's going to come as the victorious king. You can read about it in Revelation 19. And he is going to come and destroy his enemies. Now, he's loving and he's kind and there is grace that's extended. But there will come a point where you are either with him or you are against him. He does not leave us in the middle. He cannot be ignored. You have to take him at his word or you will suffer the consequences. All of that is to simply say that there is God. There is a God who is with us. He is Emmanuel. He is sweet baby Jesus. The Lamb of God. the Savior of the world. Save you from your sins to ease your burdens. Help you in the time of trouble. That's what he does. And he's offering a gift. He's offering himself. To you. Forever. Will you accept him? Will you take him? will you accept him I'm I'm done I got to I do the I'm done about three times so I'm done I really am done <laughs> All that's to say I am begging you to accept not just the best gift it is the best Christmas gift but it is the original Christmas gift I'm begging you to accept him accept his salvation if you've never been saved accept his salvation and if you are a Christian, enjoy his presence, folks. Enjoy that he's with you because he's promised to never leave. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to close with a word of prayer. I'm going to ask your pastor to come and close the service as he sees fit. we we'll leave it to you, brother. But I want to say thank you, Lord, for this time and this opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus coming. Thank you, Lord, for him being with us. Thank you for not abandoning us even though we deserved it. Thank you for loving us even though we don't deserve it. And Lord, I pray that you will take this message, put it in the hearts of some of these people, and help them to understand that you're right there with them no matter what. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.